my name. Hello and welcome to You Are Not Alone. You Are Not Alone is a one-with-one horror actual play podcast. I'm Blaine, your host and RPG-loving friend. Before we get into today's episode, if you are enjoying the podcast, please consider rating and reviewing us on your favorite podcatcher. It really does help new listeners find us. If you have a question, would like to recommend a game, or be a guest, or just say hi, you can reach me on Twitter at notalone underscore horror, via email at youarenotalonepod at gmail.com. I would love to hear from you. This episode, we're starting a game of Long Haul 1983 by Sean Patrick Kane. Long Haul 1983 is a solo game where you play a truck driver in 1983 after everyone else in the world has disappeared. Well, not everyone else, but we'll get to that momentarily. You wake up every day, start your rig, and keep driving towards a specific person that you hope is still alive. You travel through a series of landscapes as you move towards your destination, encountering things that will test your mind, body, and rig. Every night, you leave a message on an answering machine praying that the person you need to see is getting the messages. There's at least one thing still alive besides you. Some dark entity that you begin to see signs of that may keep you from your destination. But still, every night you leave a message, and every morning you get up, turn the keys in the ignition, and hope. It is a really cool game. The story you tell is unique and beautiful and tragic. Like I said, it's normally a solo journaling game, but Sean has joined me to act as the voice of the book and guide me through it. This game features heavy themes of isolation. While not directly about a pandemic, it was inspired by the pandemic, and also features some harm to wild animals by the environment, not by people. So if these things bother you, please be careful going forward. With all that said... Let's start our long haul. Hello and welcome to You Are Not Alone. You Are Not Alone is a 1v1 horror actual play podcast where each episode I sit down with a guest and play a spooky role-playing. This week, we're going to be playing Long Haul 1983. Long Haul 1983 is a solo journaling game that involves an audio component, which makes it sort of perfect for this podcast. You are playing a long haul driver in the year 1983 in a world where everyone has suddenly disappeared. You start each day by firing up your rig. You draw some cards to figure out what happens during your day, and you end each day at a payphone calling someone who does not answer, and leaving a message for them. Joining me to play this game is Sean, the designer of the game. Hey, Sean, how's it going? Hey, I'm doing really well. How are you? I am fantastic, thank you. I am super excited to play this. I love uh, this kind of new trend in journaling games, uh, and it's always really, really exciting to check them out. Oh my gosh, I'm so glad to be playing with you. I'm really excited to run the game. It's so cool to have a solo game that we're playing two-player version of. Yeah, I'm excited. I, and like, this is kind of, a, I, journaling games are something that like, you know, they're designed for one player. But I do think that there is an interesting ability for them to become two-player games. Definitely. In the way that we're kind of kind of play today where... uh you were kind of going to guide me through the stuff that normally I would draw and manage myself if I were playing this solo uh, and take on kind of like a, a limited MC role. Absolutely. Right. Incorporate a little of that game is conversation mode, right? Yeah, I'm I'm really excited to see how it plays out. But before we do that, why don't you tell folks a little bit about who you are? Uh, what you do and where on the great wide interwebs they can find you. Wonderful. Thank you so much. Um, so my name is Sean. I use he, him, and they, them pronouns. My full name is Sean Patrick Kane, and I often publish either under that or my initials, SPC. I have published a few games over the last year, um, Long Haul 1983 being the biggest and best of all. <laughs> um, you can find my work um, on itch. My website is very simple. It's my initials, spc.itch.io. And if you're interested in any getting my games in physical format, 
you can reach out to my shop at shop.seanpatrickkane.com. I also work as an educator, a writer, and a visual artist focusing on analog photography and video work and installation. That is that's awesome. That is a whole a whole lot of stuff. <laughs> yeah, all very all very cool stuff though. Yeah, a long haul eight nineteen eighty three. Like everything about it is uh, is is awesome, but it is a very beautiful book too like i'm excited to print a copy out to have like a physical version of this uh because it is just it's really nice looking well it's so so convenient that you bring that up because actually we are currently taking pre-orders for the physical print run of long haul 1983 it actually starts shipping next month well then i guess i won't have to make (laughs) my own copy uh i will be ordering a copy from you But it is just in like, I, I love itch and there is a lot of awesome stuff on itch. Uh, but some of the stuff you get on itch looks, looks homemade, which isn't bad. But this book is just like looking through the PDF. It is gorgeous. Well, I really appreciate that. I really, you know, I did take a lot of time. This is um, a book that I worked on for about a year, almost not maybe to the day, but to the month. and. I really wanted to make it something that because it's a solo game, because people are just going to be, you know, in my imagination, just sitting in a quiet room, just staring at it and thinking a lot that I really wanted to make it something that was not only readable, but also kind of evocative and lovely and like a nice thing to look at because it's just going to be you in the book. <laughs> yeah, that is a good point. There is uh, there's something about that kind of closeness that like in the, the photography is really stunning and I do feel like it has prepared me properly for uh, what I am in store for. <laughs> That's wonderful. So yeah, I guess uh, let's tell, tell folks a little bit, uh, a little bit more about long haul 1983. I gave in the intro, a short little elevator pitch, uh, but tell us a little bit more about the game itself. Absolutely. And I'll steer this in the direction of your kind of mission on this podcast, which is all about like exploring fears. And this is definitely a game that came out of that. This is kind of my pandemic year project. And during the most of 2020, um, my partner and I were actually living on the road, very isolated in a tiny 14 foot vintage camper. Um, It initially had been a really awesome celebratory six-month cross-the-country trip. It became something very different (laughs) after the pandemic hit um, (laughs) as we kind of packed up our stuff in California and made our way cross-country back to our families on the East Coast. But that definitely played a huge part in this game about isolation and being on the road and being pursued by a threat that you don't quite understand, but is always in the back of your mind. Um, So that was kind of, I'm not sure if that's the origin story, but that was definitely a driving force in the design. I'm also really interested in games that explore settings or ideas or contexts that we don't see very often. Um, so I love high action role playing games. I love crunchy mechanical games. You know, I love, you know, being a vampire hunter in a city driven with blood and revenge. But I as a writer, I, I like those kind of off the beaten path stories. And so the idea for me of setting this game in a very specific, somewhat historical, somewhat intangible time period to really lean into the trappings of that and to think about all the ways we could kind of think about what, how can you make the story of one person alone driving a truck into a game (laughs) was a really fascinating experiment for me. And I really tried hard to think about all those both mechanical elements, but also just from the photography to the layout, to the style of this, more kind of loose atmospheric elements that could combine into something that felt a little different than the other solo games that I've been playing. I think you do a really good job of keeping 
everything's sort of just nebulous enough that the player and what the player brings to the game are really relevant while not just kind of setting someone free on the open road with no constraints. Yeah, I think that's really a really tricky balancing act. And I think everyone who's written a solo game threads that needle in a different way. But yeah, I feel like, you know, kind of like what we're talking about with just the player and the book, right? The book is both the rules and your GM and your kind of creative writing coach, for lack of a better word. And so there is definitely a dance around how much you want to provide the player and how much you want to let the player define. And that in Long Haul 1983 takes the form of everything from, you know, creating a non-geographical map of the kind of route you take back to this very important destination to literally defining the threat that's going to pursue you, which can radically change the genre of the story you tell. Yeah, it can it can take it from anything from like a slasher film to an eldritch horror story, yeah. depending on what the threat is. Totally. I had one playtester who um, their playthrough, they were just being pursued by kind of a shadowy form of their own consciousness. And so it became this almost... <laughs> Not necessarily realistic, but certainly not supernatural kind of psychological thriller and examination of self. And so I love seeing the way those things get shaped by each individual player and what they bring. I think that's a really magical part of playing a solitaire game. Yeah, it is. It's really cool. The The thought of being pursued by like a, a shadowy version of myself <laughs> Is I like horror, but that person is a bold player because I don't yes. think I could. That is my day to day life so much <laughs> that like I don't need to play. I don't need to play a game that that creates that scenario. I am with you on that. Made made manifest. <laughs> so yeah, I am. I am super psyched to try this out. Um, I think I, one of the things I really like, and I, I've played solo games for podcasts before. And it's always kind of interesting to me trying to turn like the artifact you get at the end of a, a solitaire game into a podcast. Um, and so I really love that this uh, this game has an audio component where like each day ends with you recording this message. And I like that both as like I think that's a really cool physical artifact to have, or I guess digital artifact to have at the end of the play session. But it also works really well for podcasting. It does indeed, and I know that wasn't like a very obvious like I, the 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 marketing aspect of this. I stumbled into way late. <laughs> I was just being like, I'm not naturally someone who wants to sit down with pen and paper all the time, and so I was thinking of other ways of kind of manifesting that journaling. And people have done really interesting things with like videos and webcams and all sorts of stuff. And for the setting, oh, that would be leaving. Cool. An answering machine from a payphone seemed like the perfect little thing. And it also keeps the narration loose, right? You can kind of wing it and improv as you speak, which yeah. is a little harder to do, or at least takes a different shape when you're writing. Yeah, it is interesting. Like that that spoken element is interesting. I one of my all-time favorite games is Ten Candles. Yes. And the like message the survivors leave. Mm-hmm. At the like it, to play back at the end of Ten Candles is one of my all time favorite things, and it's always interesting because like new players to Ten Candles, when I like tell them about it and pull them aside to record it, are so nervous. Yep, and I'm like, no, like don't don't plan it out, don't script it. Just like think like what would your character say in this moment? Like you you know you're probably going to die, <laughs> and there is someone out there you want to know something. Just just say it. Yeah. And like once that is out there, like it's amazing how well that helps people inhabit their characters. Yeah, it's almost foolproof. It feels like a really great trick. <laughs> um, have you played Alice is Missing? I have not yet. I have a copy of it sitting right next to me. Great. Uh, and I am so excited to try it at some point. Yeah, I've gotten really good at running it through Discord. And so if you ever want to play it, let me know. But um, yeah, that has a similar mechanic where at the very beginning, when you establish your characters, you leave a very mundane message. And then at the end of the game, 
as you're listening to the music kind of sweep through your soul and you've had this really climactic ending, one by one, you play back those voicemails and oof, that hits hard every time. Oh, so good. Yeah, that is like the soul crushing 10 candles ending where like you're sitting there in a completely dark room and you <laughs> yes. just hit play and everyone sits there in silence. And there's always like there's always one person who makes like just the jokiest recording. And then there's always one person who is like weirdly prescient in a way that they never realized they were going to be prescient and like yes. says something that like when you're like, none of us knew that was like what was coming in this game. But the fact that that was their final message is, like, so powerful. Yeah, there's a magic to it. And, like, both ends of that spectrum are so cool to hear. Yeah, there's, like, there's something about both the spoken aspect of it and then the actual recording aspect of it. And then you can also, you know, introduce the textural sound of it as well. I know one of the first players of the game actually went to a thrift store, got an old answering machine, no answering machine machine, and did their recordings on one of those small cassette tapes and then imported in their computer and just like left it totally unedited. And it was beautiful and gritty and just the sound was so lovely. Oh, that is awesome. That makes me want to go to a thrift store uh, as as soon as humanly possible. (laughs) I'm sure every thrift store out there probably has just a stack of answering machines. Oh yeah. Awesome. So let's uh let's get started, I guess, uh with the play I guess you have uh you've done this quite a bit as far as I'm seeing or you've done this before. I have. Uh so how do you want to get started as far as introducing our story here? So because the game is or excuse me, the game book is kind of written to be taking you through the setup and kind of introducing you to that first day on the road and moving from there. I thought what we would do is just kind of work through that setup, focusing on the narrative elements of it. So that opening kind of scene of you waking up in the truck, we'll go through some of the basic mechanics and kind of hear a little bit more about your character. But I think one of the things is we don't need to hear too much because a lot of this is built through the prompts and the cards you draw and the days you spend on the road. Does that make sense to you? Yeah, I think so. That sounds uh, perfect. Awesome. That's great. So if you have any particular safety tools or lines and veils or other things you want to communicate that we haven't already addressed, let me know now. But otherwise, we can just kind of dive right in. Yeah, as far as lines and veils, we've discussed that Yep. before I'm good on on what we've established. And yeah, we'll have the X card. If either of us want to see something uh, just hits us in a, in a way that makes us uncomfortable or just doesn't seem super interesting to the story we're telling, uh, we can say, let's X that. And, uh, and we will just pivot. Great. I'm totally on board and I'm ready to begin our story whenever you are. Perfect. All right. It's 1983 and the world feels hollowed out. Yesterday, there were sirens cluttering the highway, CB chatter about a jetliner disappearance, and rumors of a plague. Today, there's radio silence. There are fires on the horizon. There's desolation. You are in the cab of an aging semi-truck. It's your rig. You're an owner-operator. The doors are locked. The windows are up. The air is stale. And you catch yourself in the rearview mirror. Tell us, what do you see? I see one of those kind of old Irish golf caps that I got from my father before I left. I love that. So yesterday you finished your run, you ate a full meal, slept on that familiar coil spring mattress in the back of your truck's cab, and this morning was the same routine as always, and you were awake for a solid hour before you noticed that you were utterly alone. There's still power. There's still hot water, megastore aisles are still lit, gas pumps are functional, so there's fuel too, but no people anywhere, and not one. What do you think to yourself when you realize this? I think that this must be hell. As you mull over that idea, and it kind of sinks into you, you listen to the squeak of vinyl as you shift your weight in the driver's seat, and you start thinking about how far 
away you are from where you need to be, how far away you are from where you might be needed and where someone might be waiting for you. Tell me, why are they waiting for you? When I left home, my my father was a pastor and he wanted me to be a pastor. And when I said that's not what I wanted and I left, he told me that the world would break me and I need to prove him wrong. Seems like a good time to make a phone call to that person. <laughs> so you need to hit the road and there's no time to waste. But for any number of reasons, your thoughts are cloudy and there's a song that keeps rattling around in your head and you keep mumbling words to yourself. You're not even sure where they came from. Tell me, what, what lyrics keep running through your head right now? They tell me of a home where no storm clouds rise. They tell me of an unclouded day. And as those words kind of trace around your lips, you start the engine. It's 1983. You're alone. And you need to find a phone. Oh, that introduction uh, is even cooler. <laughs> Playing it out and not just reading it. <laughs> That's awesome. So in this game, before you make your first phone call, there's a little bit of world building and story building that you do. And that's guided through just a couple basic questions. So the first thing you want to think about is the preparations you're going to make to travel a very long distance to a very important place. The player sheet will ask you to list some different environments, which we use as our locations. And anytime you're told to advance to the next location, you can just do it and check it off. And if you get through all those locations, you arrive at your destination, which would be the end of the game. Now, your destination is both a very distant place and a very specific person. So I'm wondering if you could just give us a short little glimpse at where you're going and where you're trying to get. So yeah, I am. Uh, I, I originally grew up in a small town in Montana. And my parents owned a little farm kind of outside of town. And, uh, and so I'm trying to get back there specifically to see my father. That's great. There are also some struggles that we're going to plant seeds for right now that will probably bloom and get worse as we go. The first is that you are going to establish a wound, which is minor but could and presumably will get worse over the course of the game. How are you feeling right now? <laughs> so I have, I wanted to leave both the wound and the threat a little bit nebulous to define through play. Uh, so right now there's just, there's something in my gut that just doesn't feel right. Ooh. It hurts a lot, but I don't know what is wrong. I love that. And similarly, and you can be as vague as you wish. The world is not entirely empty, and there is going to be a threat, an external threat, that will eventually appear and pursue you. Right now, all you have to do is establish a quick sketch or a single little idea of what that might be. So what do we know already about the threat? So the one thing I know is that it has been very foggy, and I haven't been able to see anything. But I did see a set of lights behind me that looked like they might be the lights of another truck. Mm. But so bright. Bright almost like the lights of a football field are bright. Uh, and it lit up the fog into this eerie silver color until eventually they disappeared. When did you first see those lights? I think the first time I noticed them was last night. I don't know if maybe I've been distracted by the pain in my stomach. So they may have been following for a while, but. We shall see. So in this game, you have three basic stats that are body, mind, and rig. Body represents your physical health and your strength. Mind represents your spirit and your hope and your kind of clarity. And rig represents the condition of the truck you drive. And 
these stats all share a single pool of four dice that you'll be rolling and crossing your fingers, keeping. Um, But when you fail a roll, you are going to lose one die from that pool. And when you lose your last die, the journey ends and we finish the game. You also have the opportunity to advance a stat to make those rolls a little easier. Um, which stat did you choose to advance as we start? I uh, I chose to advance rig. I think that like right before my last drive, I got my rig tuned up. And I have not necessarily been in the best place physically or mentally. So I think my rig is in much better shape than I am. Yeah. Is that tune-up something that you do regularly or religiously? Or was it kind of a spur-of-the-moment thing for you? I think it's something that I do pretty regularly. I, I'm, My relationship with my father has not been great. But if there's one thing that he taught me that I still hold true to it's take care of your tools and your tools will take care of you yeah that makes a lot of sense so that's it and we are ready for you to make your first call before you hit that road and start your long journey back to that farmhouse the game provides you with a kind of a rough outline of the talking points in this call but as always you can keep it as loose and as rambly <laughs> as you like whatever you think fits the tone and the moment that your character's in that works for me and then when you're done you'll say goodbye you'll end the call and we'll hit the road perfect hey pops it's uh it's chris i know it's been a long time but uh as driving some produce down from from jersey to florida and i just dropped it off and uh it's foggy the fog is thick like it it used to like it used to be in the spring when the thaw hit on the farm and i was thinking of you and i noticed i noticed everyone's gone and i don't know you wanted me to cling to the faith like you did but I, I never it never sat with me but goddamn if this doesn't seem like the rapture i don't that sounds crazy but I, what else what else could it be i don't i don't know if if you're one of the ones that's gone but i'm going to get in the truck and i'm going to drive there and i'm going to see you and mom and i'm going to show you going to show you that the world didn't break me. I saw some lights following me and I don't know what that's about, but God willing in the creek don't rise, I'm going to going to be there in a couple days. Goodbye, pops. God willing in the creek don't rise. I love that. <laughs> so, now we begin our journey. And this is where the game really, you know, where the rubber meets the road, so to speak. <laughs> Every day begins with you starting the engine, which is done with a roll of the dice, which has no consequence of failing. But because the rig is part of you, you'll notice that as that dice pool starts to diminish, you're going to have some trouble starting that engine in the morning. Mm. You'll then hit the road. And in the game, that will be done by us drawing a number of cards and responding to the prompts that they invite to kind of build out our story. Sometimes those cards will also ask you to make rolls based on one of your three stats, body, mind, and rig. And depending on whether you fail or succeed, that will kind of build into other consequences later on. And then we'll stop the drive for the day and we'll make the call. And just like the call you just made, you can use the prompts as kind of the highlights of the day, but as a reminder, you've been driving for hours and hours, and so there's lots of space for you, the player, to kind of build out the story, share theories and conspiracies, develop your character, anything you like with those calls. That'll be kind of how we tell and record the story that we make together. Perfect. So, before we hit the road, any questions? 
I think I'm good to go. I am good to try and get that engine started. All right. Um, so we will dig right in. Go ahead and make that engine roll. Let me know how it goes. All right. Let's... Well, that's a zero, so that's at least a, an all right start. That's right. As long as it's not a negative result, it works. So you start the engine the first time, right? Take a moment to consider the reassuring rumble of that rig that you've taken such good care of. And you get ready to hit the road. But before you do, you decide to commemorate this occasion. Maybe through a form of ritual. You reach into the cab of the truck and grab an almost empty can of spray paint. And you decide to spray paint some word or symbol or icon right under the hood of your rig. I'd love to know, what does that look like and what is its message for you? I think it is a cross. And I think that, again, like I don't, I don't share the same faith that my family has. But I think in this moment, it seems so much like this is like those stories I heard growing up about the rapture, that it is, I don't, I don't think it's comforting, but I think it is, it makes me feel protected. As you finish spraying it, the heat from the now rumbling engine kind of meets that spray paint and you get a kind of hit of these very chemically fumes. And as you climb your way back into the cab, you look back at that cross that you spray painted over the hood of your rig and you notice that from the driver's seat, it's upside down. And that isn't the best omen to start your day, but you decide to go ahead with it. You start your car driving through the fog, and as dense and as thick and as wet as that fog is, even through it, you can see what you've been seeing all morning, which is traces of fire on the horizon. And as you drive down the first long, empty stretch of highway, you notice that the fires seem to be getting a little closer, right? They seem to be getting a little more clear through that veil of the fog and smoke from those fires really starts taking over the road. And no matter what you do, running the AC, opening the windows, closing the windows, you start feeling dizzy and nauseous and disoriented. What I'd like you to do is tell us, what does that smoke smell like what does it remind you of and then when you're done make a body roll to see how hard that disorienting smell hits you okay Hmm. so i think it is this sort of gruesome moment where when i first smell it it smells like the barbecues that we used to have back home hmm and it is, there is like a moment of like, oh, that, that smells good. And then there's kind of a remembrance of like, that is the smell of meat on a fire. That's great. And that was actually going to be my question. I was like, is that the charcoal smell or the flesh smell? <laughs> it is, uh, it's not great. <laughs> And as that smell kind of drifts up your nostrils and that memory hits you fully, right? You feel sick. Go ahead and make a body roll. All right. Uh, And so my body is not advanced. I'm taking the top three. That's right. So that is a plus blank and minus. So another zero. That's good enough. (laughs) Right. In long haul, you really just are hoping for not a failure. (laughs) And so your journey continues. And later on in the day, after a couple more hours of kind of empty, mundane driving, you catch yourself because you realize that you've been interrupting the silence of your own cab. You have been muttering some 
strange short phrase over and over and over again. It kind of shocks you when you realize what your mouth has been doing. My question to you is, what is that phrase? And is this the kind of thing that might be a helpful mantra or is this an unhealthy compulsion that is bubbling up? Hmm. That is a good question. What is more interesting, a helpful mantra or a troubling phrase? (laughs) I mean, I think either way, the fact that you've just caught yourself muttering this repetitively isn't a great sign. (laughs) Yeah, I think... (laughs) I think what it is with the fire and this idea of like, is this the rapture and this like truck that may be following me? Uh, I find myself saying an old Bible verse and it's uh, it's rather fear him who can destroy both soul and body in hell. Hmm. Do you remember when you first heard that verse? I think it might have been when like my fracture with my parents faith really started i think it was in sunday school maybe like i was just getting to the point where like i, w- I was probably about to age out of sunday school uh but it was a small church so i was probably a little bit older than a lot of the other kids and just this idea of like why why if i if i'm supposed to believe that god loves me why would I, why should I have to fear someone who can destroy my soul and body? Like that just doesn't, that doesn't connect. Um, and I think it was then that I started to kind of start to like try and make excuses to not go to church. And those usually didn't work, but I was definitely, that's where, where the fracture started. Yeah. Who was more resistant to you not going to church? Was it mom or dad? Uh, it was that my dad was definitely the one who like, I mean, he was the pastor. So like Mm -hmm. his whole family had to be there. They had to be immaculate head to toe. I get the feeling that my mom wasn't as much interested in it, but she did it for my father's sake. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So as you think back to that moment and visualize that fracture, You see that you've been driving for many hours today. In this game, after we've drawn three cards, you can always stop for the day, make the call, and start again. If you have drawn a spade, which in this game represents your journey on the road, then that also means that at the end of the day, you get to advance to the next location. I can tell you that you have drawn three cards, but... They have been everything but (laughs) a road card. You've gotten a rig, you've gotten a body, you've gotten a mind. So my question to you is, would you like to keep driving? There are risks and rewards to this, obviously. A wise man would probably stop for the night. It's a big butt coming there. (laughs) But I, yeah, I think with everything going on, I think I am going to keep driving for a little bit more like i i want to put as much road as possible under tire before i go to sleep absolutely so you keep on pushing and that was actually a pretty great move (laughs) you start making sense of the road you feel like you've been offered a gift of foresight It's unclear whether this is just because you've driven these highways so often or the fog is clearing or maybe it had something to do with that verse that you've been muttering and mumbling most of the evening. But the road is making sense to you. Which means that the next time we reveal a card that shows the threat pursuing you, we're going to just throw that threat card right back into the deck and shuffle it up. And you'll be able to use your understanding of the road to avoid that threat temporarily. Nice. Well, that's a, that's a nice little, <laughs> little perk. So with that, would you like to keep driving or stop for the night? I think I'm going to draw at least one more card. I think that, 
I think that with the road making sense, like it feels good to be on the road. Mm-hmm. And I don't think I want to stop right this moment. So you keep pushing. And the dusk turns into a dark night. With the fog still everywhere, it is as starless as can be. And you see your headlights kind of cutting through that gray, sometimes illuminated by the fires that are still on the horizon. It's quiet for a long time. You hear the rumble of your tires on the road, steady. And then, out of nowhere, your CB radio sputters to life. And unclear voices fill your rig's cabin. They're not totally clear. Those voices aren't totally distinguishable. What I want to know is, what do you hear? And what do you make out coming from that radio? That is a good question. I think I am. And like with the way that my lights are lighting up the fog, um, I can still see that cross and it's upside down and it's staring at me. And I think that like through the sputter of the radio, like I can't hear any of the voices that are like just speaking casually. But I think underneath all of it, there is some like low droning music. And I, I realize after a moment or two uh, that it's the, the Johnny Cash version of the old rugged cross. Mm. And I just like every now and then pick up little lines and snippets of, of the old rugged cross. So... Do we stop here or keep on driving? I think this is where I think that spooked me a little bit. Yeah. And I think this is where I pull over for the night. Great. We can imagine you being almost anywhere at this point, as long as it's kind of close to a highway. So because the power is still on and things still seem mechanically functioning we can imagine you pulling into just kind of a a roadside diner that at one point would probably been pretty busy at this time of night with a lot of folks tired and exhausted a lot like you getting a meal hitting a cup of coffee maybe falling asleep in the back of their cab when you pull in the lights are on but everything is empty and you get to totally disregard any of those white lines that signify parking and lanes and you pull your rig right up to that glowing payphone, and you make the call that ends your day. So at this point you can reflect and think about what happened on your day. What's changed? What is your character understanding or thinking about now? And then when you're ready, you can go ahead and make that call. Hey, hey, pops! It's uh, it's me again. Um, I guess I don't, I don't expect you to answer, but I, I hope, I hope that you will. I. This is funny, and this is this is funny the way that I think maybe mom might find funny, but you probably won't. But uh. When I started driving towards Montana, I spray-painted a cross on the hood of the rig. Figured doesn't mean all that much to me, but it might might be some kind of protection. And when I got in and I looked at it, I realized that from where I was looking at it, it was inverted. And it seems seems like an apt metaphor for our relationship. I don't know, like I said, you you probably won't find that very entertaining, but I just wanted to tell you. I just heard the old rugged cross on the radio, and one of the only good memories I have about going to church with you is hearing you sing that song and thinking how much you sounded like Johnny Cash, and I thought that was pretty awesome. I uh, still don't know what's happening. And I'm still kind of afraid. I'm standing here outside of a diner that I ate at on my way down here. 
and it was packed when I had lunch here, and it is empty. And that is fucking weird. And I just don't know. But hopefully I'll see you soon. Bye, Pops. So as we transition from one day to the next, um, one thing that you do just mechanically is check to see if you drew a road card. Because if you do, the next day you start in that next location on the list. And because you kept on driving, we did reveal a road card. So you've made it out of the fog. What does it look like now? I feel like this makes a lot of sense. Uh, The next area is... Or the next day, it's like all of the fog has burned away. Ooh. And getting closer to those fires, I guess, that just the oppressive heat mm-hmm. of whatever is burning, burning, has both burned away the fog and made, you know, imagining I'm somewhere maybe, maybe in the like Georgia area the last thing that Georgia really needs <laughs> is more heat. Yeah. And so it is just miserably hot. And I would imagine that with that fog dissipating, the roadside smells that you experienced yesterday of those old barbecues are there in kind of like a clarity that weren't there the day before. There's no fog for them to mingle with. Somehow they're just sitting there with the heat. As you climb into your truck and turn the keys to start the engine. So go ahead and make that roll. All right. Let's see how how she does. <laughs> I, of course, this is a roll I made for starting the engine and not for anything else in this game. Uh, I just rolled a four. I love it. Trusty old rig, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, and that engine just kicks up right away in a way that feels reassuring to you. And as you pull out from that truck stop, you remember that you keep something stashed beneath the driver's seat. I want to know, what is it? And what is its current value to you, if anything at all? So I think, I think on the day that I left home, I got in an argument with my father and I stormed out and I got in my like shitty little Buick and was getting ready to drive off. Uh, and my mom came running out and she said that she had something that like, if I was, she understands why I have to leave. And there's something that she wanted me to take. And my immediate reaction was in all of the anger that I had inside uh, I, I assumed it was going to be something like a fucking Bible. And it wasn't. It was a pocket watch that her father had had. And uh, trying to think timeline time wise, I guess maybe he fought in uh, definitely one of the world wars, maybe World War II. Uh, and he had taken this pocket watch overseas with him. And it, my mom was convinced that it had kept him safe. Do you believe that? I think it's a little hokey, <laughs> but I th- I think part of the reason I keep it with me is that thought that like if business ever went south, I could probably pawn it for some money. Yeah. But business hasn't gone south and maybe just maybe it is a lucky pocket watch. Because business hasn't gone south yet. Well, that is a very beautiful transition because the next card I pulled up was not only a road card, but an ace, which is always the best (laughs) card here. And I'm just going to read this straight because I feel the prompt feeds into the story so perfectly. I'm not going to embellish anything. You begin to make sense of the roadways. Is it intuition, experience, or simple luck? Do you believe in a higher power? Oh. (laughs) That is perfect. I I think I heard someone use this phrase once, and I think that it is applicable here. I think I am a lazy atheist. Mm -hmm. 
uh, where I don't, like I said about the watch, like I don't really believe in a higher power, but I'm still the type of person who like throw a pinch of salt over my shoulder or say a prayer or cross myself. Better safe than sorry. Yeah, in the positions where it seems appropriate, because like, I don't think there's anything out there, but like, if there is, should probably be careful about like, at least don't piss it off. Yeah. Do you feel like it's pissed off right now? It's hard not to. And I guess like, I mean, I don't, my rapture theology is not, not exactly up to snuff, but like, even if it, even if this is the rapture, um, the fires and everything seem pretty angry. (laughs) So with the ACE, you immediately advance to the next location. So we can imagine you driving through the road, maybe even kind of every once in a while, kind of casually reaching down and patting that watch that you keep under your seat. And that heat changes and shifts. What new environment do you find yourself in? So I think what has been happening is like this fire has been going for a while now. Mm -hmm. And the fire, at least kind of in my immediate area, has kind of gone out just because it doesn't have anything else to consume. And so like I'm still in the south, so it's still like it's not cool but the temperature is definitely noticeably cooler and there is just ash and dirt and dust almost as thick as the fog really um just kind of blowing about the road and as you make your way through that ash and dust sometimes even operating the windshield wipers to clear it off the wipers wipe and Suddenly you hit the brakes and you roll to a stop. In front of you is a wounded animal. And for some reason, you decide to get out and remove it from the roadway. My first question to you, just as you step down from that cab, is why are you doing that? I think... I think this is something that I've done a decent amount of because I think I operate overnight drives a lot. Yeah. And so there are a lot of times where I'm on the road by myself. And if I see an injured animal and the road looks clear, I try to clear it from the road just because eventually the road's not going to be clear and getting it out of the road could save someone's life. Definitely. And I think in my mind, like it not only is this just something, but like even even though like no one is around, I feel like this is like some small ritual from the before times that I can cling to. Yeah. As strange as it is, there's something normal about doing what you're doing. Yeah. But as you approach the animal, there's something not normal. There's Something that strikes you simply as something off about its appearance. Not that it's just hurt. Something else. Tell us, what do you what do you see? I think that like I, I get to it and obviously it's injured. But I think the unnerving thing is when I look at it, it is Injured to a point where, like, it shouldn't be alive. Uh, like, not just that it's hurt, but, like, there are chunks missing from it. I think, like, it, it's obvious that it had been in an area where the fires were, so there are, like, burnt patches all over its body. And I think that maybe, like, some of the skin on its face has burned away entirely. And so there's just, like, burnt muscle and skull showing. Yeah. How do you know it is alive? At first, I assume that it is like 
it is dead, dead. And like mm-hmm. the movement that I saw while I was in the cab of my truck was just like a trick of a trick of my eyes. Cause when I look at it, there is no fucking way this thing should be alive. Uh, and so when I get close to it, I think it's a deer. Mm-hmm. And when I get close to it and like go to grab, it's like hind legs to drag it off of the road. It starts to like spasm and make these kind of awful sounds and it starts to like kick its legs. And I think it definitely clips me in the stomach. Yeah. Which is a good time to ask you to make a body roll. Mm hmm. All right. That is a zero. It clips you, but doesn't make anything worse. But when that hoof connects to your stomach, right, as you get it down, at least onto the shoulder of the road, you feel something in your gut, right? It's been bothering you off and on. Something just doesn't feel right about it. My question to you is there, is there anything more specific than just not feeling right? Do you feel anything in particular? With this disruption, I feel like I uh, almost immediately like break into a cold sweat and it feels like I realize in that moment that it, I don't think it's my stomach, but there's like somewhere in the area of my guts that there is this like searing pain and I taste like bile kind of welling up in my throat. Yeah. Does it feel like a burning, like a stabbing, like a throbbing or something else entirely? Uh, I think it's like a stabbing, like a sharp stabbing pain. Got it. And that sweat just drips down your forehead as you climb back into the rig, knowing that it could have been worse, but, you know, it could have been better. My question to you is, do you keep driving or is this a good time to pull off the road? I think that I am going to keep driving for a little bit, if only to put some miles between me and whatever that hell beast was. So you keep on driving. The ash and dust thick. It makes it hard to know exactly where the sun is, but you know it's a lot lower in the sky than it was a few hours ago. And you find yourself trying to tell time mainly by just staring at the odometer in front of you as it ticks away the miles. You're making good time. You are barreling down an empty stretch of highway when you find that you're forced to slow down to a crawl as you maneuver past and, frankly, maneuver over wreckage and debris that could really fuck up your rig. Oh, no. You make your way as slowly as possible over this, trying to be as careful as possible. Your head is kind of leaning out the window, trying to clear shot of where you might be going. And you see something in the piles of debris. What do you catch sight of? I see a person. Oof. And I'm pretty sure that they're they're dead. And they look... And they're burnt to a point where I can't, I can't tell anything about them other than that they were at one time a person. And I don't think at least at this exact moment, anything strange happens with that, but I am, I'm real nervous after that encounter with the deer. Your eyes stay locked on that maybe person. As your rig continues to kind of bump and shake over all this wreckage in the roadway. Go ahead and make a rig roll. All right. That is a positive one. I'm waiting. The shoe is going to drop at some point. (laughs) And when it does, things escalate very quickly. So we'll we'll thank every positive roll we have so far. You can hear scraping against the underside of your rig as you make your way over this debris as delicately as possible. And there are some sounds that make you feel very uneasy, but as you move through that pile and back onto the clear road, it seems like everything is intact and running smoothly. 
but your eyes and your thoughts stay focused on that body that you think you saw in the debris. What's one little detail that you spotted that keeps jumping to the front of your mind as you drive? It was hard to tell because the body was so burned, but I swear that it was smiling. Was that because of the teeth or something else? I think it was something else. Like it was burnt very badly, but there was still some skin and it seemed like even through the burnt flesh, it was pulled up into a smile. You can't shake that image despite how hard you try. The sun goes down further and now you're driving through ash that is really just kind of illuminated by the headlights in front of you. And you realize that it is very late in the day. Do you decide to pull over and stop for the night, make that call? Or do you keep driving a little more? I think so. Yeah, it seems like a good time. I think it's too unnerving. It's been a big day. (laughs) Yeah. So once again, you pull over to an unpeopled rest stop along the highway. You make your way to the payphone that again is illuminated. I think as you open the door to the payphone, a day's worth of ash and dust kind of shimmy and shake and float down onto your hand and shoulders and kind of sit there as you walk into the booth. So again, whenever you're ready, you can go ahead and make that call to your family. Hey, Pops. It's me again. I don't know why I feel the need to say that every time, but it just seems seems right. Do you remember the only time you ever took me hunting? I was probably too fucking young to have a rifle, but, you know, it was... Montana, it was the late 60s. I don't know. Cops weren't going to be coming out and kicking the door in. But uh, I remember how you taught me to point the rifle, to look down the barrel, to breathe, and then to just gently pull the trigger. And I did all that. And. I I hit the deer, but it wasn't a kill shot. And I remember when we finally found it later that day, deeper in the woods, I remember the sound it was making. And it was fucking awful. And I never wanted to go hunting again. And I know, I know that disappointed you. I know how much you loved going to hunt with Jake. But I saw a dead deer on the side of the road today, and I thought of that. Oh, and if if you are hearing this, I want you to tell Mom thanks for the pocket watch. She'll know what that means. But it uh, it's been doing it's been it's been carrying its weight. Uh yeah, that's uh, I'm in. I don't know, Georgia, Alabama, I haven't been paying real close attention. I'm somewhere down south and it's hot as hell. But I'm making my way my, making my way up there and hopefully hopefully I'll see y'all soon. Bye pops. Thank you to Sean for designing such a beautiful game and running it for me, and thank you to you for listening. Our theme song is Everybody Knows My Name by Harley Poe. Thank you to Joe Whiteford for letting us use it. Join us on July 29th for part two of Long Haul 1983. And until then, remember that you are strong. You are beautiful. And you are not alone.
Cry.